0: Conrad, happy 5th of July, as today is the 5th of July that we're recording this. Yeah, good to see you. I celebrated the Independence Day on the 2nd of July because I felt like we are a bit half the country that we were two weeks ago. There's a little math joke and politics mixed into one to welcome you to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. So what are we talking about today? As usual, we got a little news to cover We are going to talk about a case of exceptional customer service outside of the legal industry, just to try and inspire everyone. And then we're going to inevitably talk about the Dobbs decision and A, I want you to rant on this because we've talked about this a lot. We want a little bit of the Guy rant, but then we're going to tie this into marketing and talk about cause marketing and whether or not you should get engaged. Until then, let's have some music. Welcome to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. Teaching you how to promote, market, and make fat stacks for your legal practice. Here on Legal Talk Network. Welcome to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. Thank you for taking some of your time and spending it with Guy and myself. Let's do the news. Let's go. All right. Gee, Bob Ambrosi, one of our favorite writers, maybe the original law firm digital marketing writer, wrote about a firm called Mighty. And I love this because it is positioning and branding done exceptionally well. So if you would like to get a different flavor of what positioning and branding might look like in the legal industry, go to mighty.com. Bob's really highlighting this firm that has gone overboard about not being the typical billboard lawyer. They actually, I think that's their catchphrase, uneasy about billboard lawyers. And they're really trying to bundle a suite of services that go well beyond the legal realm to help people dealing with a personal injury. It's a completely different approach to marketing. It is very antithetical, which I always like, to the typical rah-rah-rah personal injury, we-win-more we, we win more kind of approach. And it is worthy of a look. Even if you don't love it, it may be very inspirational to you. Gee. State of link building came out from Aerie.net. Talk to us about the state of link building.
1: Yeah, I think uh, you know, this is Patty Mugan's uh, newsletter. We'll make sure we have a link in there, but great survey, great report on what folks are doing to actually build links. And you know, there's a lot of good, interesting stuff in there. Content marketing, you know, the general one still tends to be top of the list, but I think for me, interestingly, and I think we'll talk about this in a little bit in the context of some of the PR stuff that we're gonna talk about later. You know, there's a lot of other ways that people are still building links, whether it's enterprise, small businesses, and the other one that showed up on here that I still think is one of the the big dirty words in link building is paid links and guest posting, both still very high on the list of what people are using. And you know, the, the answer is is that it works. Risks, but anyway, it's a good resource to check out if you're an SEO person. I highly recommend you check out what's going on with the state of link building. You
0: know, I was at the uh, Arizona State Bar the other day, thanks to Lisa Bormaster for having me. I did a talk on local search, and one of the questions the the most engaged and informed person in the audience asked me, Hey, I heard that links don't work anymore because I read a lot of this stuff. Can you slap him straight for us, Guy? Do links not work anymore?
1: Yeah, I mean, if you're a competitor of one of our clients, I hope you think that because, uh, <laughs> again, I would challenge anybody at any time show me a competitive search query, especially lower intent, lawyer business lookup, that the firms that are showing up have no links to their domain. It just doesn't happen. You know, maybe you can show me some long tail queries, lower volume stuff, but, you know, you're talking about head terms, you're talking about competitive search queries. Those sites, they have links. I mean, period. They work. It's Google still a link based search engine. I don't think anybody at Google is saying links don't work. Um, you know, There's some nuance, of course. And you know, I think some people, we're not doing a segment on this, but I think there's some truth in the fact that the signaling that Google's using has matured. So in, in which case you might say, well, the power of links might be evolving, right? Because Google's taking another signaling. But to say that links don't work or links don't matter, I mean, your site's probably not ranking if you don't have links, period. Show me a counterexample. I wait for it. You said we're not doing a segment on it. Let's do a
0: segment on it at a later date. Done. Great. Okay. On the agenda. And finally, this was really exciting. If you have not heard of Leadferno, Guy brought them up, I believe it was two episodes ago. But Leadferno's chat and texting functionality is now integrated directly into your Google business profile. So Leadferno, not a sponsor of this podcast, but we are pushing
1: them anyway, because the stuff works. Stuff works. And again, I one of the, the story I always tell, uh, it's not a, a necessarily lead for story, but when we first started really diving into back at the time when it was probably like Google local, it was always astonishing to me how many legal services consumer journeys end at the Google business profile page, right? Whether it's click to call or click to chat. And my view is we're still on the front end. I think that that consumer behavior is moving in the direction more towards messaging and chat. And so if you're looking for something that you might not be doing right now to future proof, I might check that out. There's some consequences to messaging through Google business profile. because I don't check this recently, but they were showing like competitors after you engage, you turned on the chat and messaging feature. But bottom line is it's a way to reduce friction and to make it easier for people to contact your firm. Unless you don't
0: respond to messaging and chat, in which case it is a great way to shoot your firm in the head. And now, it's time for the Legal Trends Report Minute, brought to you by Clio.
1: Is your law firm falling behind in technology? There have been a mass adoption of legal tech among firms of all sizes. Today, at least 85% of legal professionals are using some form of practice management software. Use of legal technology has dramatically altered client expectations. The need for more flexible, convenient methods of interaction is here to stay. So it's not surprising that at least 95% of law firms plan to continue using newly adopted legal technology beyond the pandemic. Yeah, I mean, we're in the endemic stage, aren't we? It's clear indication that technology adoption has become the norm for firms of all sizes. You know, have we read this one before? It's an interesting one. I mean, uh... We haven't read this one before. No? Okay.
0: I, I think that my warning and my caveat here is the technology shiny object problem, right? And to borrow from you, the expectation setting. Technology is rarely a single shot answer to a law firm problem. And it needs to be used and utilized. Otherwise, it's just another you know monthly subscription off the bank account that you're not really getting much out of. And it really takes, I mean, ideally someone internal to the firm who really has a solid grasp on this to get the most out of it. So I I don't disagree with anything that's being said here. Like we're obviously tech nerd heads, but you and I both experience those firms
1: that are over teched and flailing because of it. Yeah. I think, and I'll kind of parse this through the numbers here, right? So if you're in the 85%, they're using practice management software, like you get it. You've tried it. You're on board. I think that Conrad's message is about shininess and features and that kind of stuff, and you know, making sure you're actually implementing and, and configuring it the way that's most advantageous to your firm, you're in that camp. And I think the other thing too, and I, I know the folks at Clio are working to um, you know solve this issue for legal service consumers and lawyers too, is. Historically, when we think practice management, we think just like matter management. Where, like, I think we're starting to recognize that the lines are blurring throughout the entire journey, all the way from that first contact, which you might think more in a CRM stage, through matter management, and then beyond, where you might go back to CRM. And so, really, you know, I know Jack talks a lot about the full legal services consumer journey. So maybe if you're in that eighty-five percent, maybe that's where you're starting to go now. Is like thinking about how you can actually you know, get beyond practice management technology. If you're in the 15% that aren't using some form of practice management software, like I don't, honestly, frankly, like, I don't want to be, I'm going to sound like a jerk here, but I don't know how you're effectively practicing law. You know, I guess if you had like, if you're in a particular practice that takes on like one client or like maybe, but anything at scale, like, and, and you're certainly not doing a great job of meeting consumers where they are because you know shocker right. consumers are online now again i say that and people be like well you know that's a very privileged entitled viewpoint and there's lots of people that don't have access to technology and that's true and if you're serving consumers that don't have access to technology by any means then yeah of course then you might need to provide some alternatives and then i think the other one too like you know this other that 95 percent of firms plan to continue using newly adopted technology beyond the pandemic I want to talk to the 5% They were like, no, 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 we're pandemic's over. We're not using it anymore. Like what? <laughs> that's just lazy survey responding. I think
0: I was, anyway. was going to say the same thing. That seems like lazy survey responding. Yeah. I mean, we're tech nerd heads. Like this is what we do. I do appreciate Guy, you for once being the first to insult the audience instead of me. So thanks, right. thanks for taking
1: yeah, that. I, like I haven't been pulling my weight there. So no, you haven't, uh, never. to learn more about legal technology, adoption. Download Clio's Legal Trends Report for free at clio.com forward slash trends. That's Clio spelled C-L-I-O dot com forward slash trends. All right, that brings us to our first segment of this episode. And we wanted to give a shout to Chewy. Every once in a while, you see one of these consumer service, you know, when you see it by like a big company like Chewy, it's you're even that much more impressed. And I think it's, as we talk about this, I think the idea here is you can find something tactical to take away even for your own practice. But, you know, they just really go so far above and beyond what it would be expected of like a dog food company that we want to call it out, hope to highlight some useful things you might be able to use at your practice and, you know, recognize the work that they're doing here. So today at Lunch Hour Legal Marketing, we are honoring those who make the effort to serve their customers, clients in the context of law firms. And today we are honoring Chewy with the Medal for Exceptional Customer Service. And if you haven't followed what Chewy's doing here, we'll break it down. We'll share the tweet. There's, um, It's actually it's gone viral. Uh, I know, Conrad, you even have a personal story that maybe you want to share, but I'm just going to read the tweet here. At least this is one of them that we found. This was coming up when it was trending. But a person contacted Chewy last week to see if they could return an unopened bag of their dog's dog food after the dog died. So person's dog died, called up Chewy, and were like, hey, you know, I've got all this dog food. Can I return it? Like, we don't have use for it. So Chewy gave them a full refund, told them to donate the food to a shelter, and had flowers delivered with a gift note signed by the customer service person at Chewy that they talked to, I mean, and you know, for, and Conrad, you can elaborate on this, but I understand this is their policy. Like this is just what they do. Yeah. So the, a couple of things happened at the
0: same time for me with Chewy. Uh, one, I was at my in-laws, and there was a pile of Chewy boxes waiting to go out in recycling. And my my mother-in-law talked about how amazing Chewy is. After this tweet went viral, I saw a post from a friend of mine from high school, like the same exact, like this is just policy and what they do, right? So, same exact situation. They had a dog put down, they asked to return the food. You know, here's the refund donate to a shelter, flowers show up like the next day. It's so exceptional and it's so easy. I mean, this is, this is, the reality is, if you have a pet, you are going to lose a pet at some point in time, and if that cycles back to Chewy, this is how they respond. I was actually really lucky. My one of my and and you you may have met him unintentionally as well. One of my business school friends from Michigan is Chewy's CMO, and I actually asked to see if we could get him on the show to talk about this, and he was like, we, "We've got all these hoops we have to jump through." So I'm going to his fiftieth birthday party next weekend, so perhaps I can you know, surreptitiously bring in the mic and we'll, we'll record Mark as he talks about this policy. No, I, I I joke, but um, for me, you're dealing with the loss of a pet. This is really, you know, it's a hard thing to go through and to have a, a vendor retailer care so much. It's, it's great. The reality is when you're dealing with legal, you're also dealing with typically really, really hard gut wrenching situations. And, you know, I use the example all the time of when I'm talking about intake, go buy a pair of shoes at Nordstrom, be a really annoying customer and look at your experience there and then go home and mystery shop your own firm and compare the experiences. You know, you're, you're talking about a 200 or 200. I don't buy shoes at Nordstrom, but like I imagine they're expensive, 200, 300, $400, right? But that's a really small ticket price when you think about it compared to hiring an attorney. And yet the experience at Nordstrom is, is always better. Than what you deliver to your prospects. This is another example of where you can go above. I mean, it would be very easy to go above and beyond for your clients or even your prospects or those who you haven't helped. There's so many ways that we can go above and beyond as lawyers that we don't. You know, it's just, and it would be so easy to
1: deliver an experience that's blow your mind, even for someone who doesn't turn into a client. Right. That's the one that I think about all the time is the, and you know, again, I think, an it intakes only one aspect of this, right? There's all sorts totally. of uh, places throughout the journey that you can do these like just really remarkable service things. But I wanted to pick up because, you know, we get this all the time, like, oh, you know, my clients don't want to leave reviews online. They don't want to talk that they, you know, that I helped them get acquitted from their crime or that they got hurt or whatever, they're getting divorced. And we see this happen. I mean, we talk about Ken Levinson. He does a really great job of empathizing uh, really throughout. But, you know, during his intake process, you'll see in his reviews on Google, it'll say, you know, hey, Ken helped answer some questions. And even though he wasn't the right lawyer for me, he helped direct me to someone that could help me with my situation. So anyway, look. At this stage, I hopefully you're connecting those dots. It's the right thing to do to give your clients a great experience. But I I think for me, it's like, think about this. And look, we, you know, I get, I can hear you right now, rolling your eyes being like, I don't sell dog food. I don't sell shoes. This isn't the same thing, but the emotion, the connection that these customers feel, ask yourself, do your clients feel that way about what you're delivering for them from the experience standpoint? And, and I would say, the relationship between your dog food provider and your lawyer is different, but isn't even more so, uh, <laughs> 100%. you know, not to diminish, you can, you, not to diminish by the, the way, relationship you have with Chewy. <laughs> congratulations on insulting
0: our audience twice in five minutes, Guy, but Guy just basically said dog food is more important to your, uh, your, your, your prospects than their lawyer is. And frankly, you're treating it that way. Right? right, come up with a way. Like there is a better way. There is more that you can do. Like this is just really, really meaningful to people. I guess the challenge from Gee is, can you find a way to have a better relationship with your prospects and Chewy does with you know by selling dog food, right? That's, well, and again, I guess I think to.
1: you know I reflect on this. You know what I think about? I am like I think about all the time and money. That yeah. lawyers are spending on ads and, on you you know, and me, billboards right? and, and us and creative ad copy and like, what's the next big shiny marketing thing? And how much time are they spending thinking about how could I deliver something really, truly exceptional or remarkable to a client or to a prospect? And I just think that that's where there's misalignment, right? And I'm again, I'm not saying there's plenty of those big spending lawyers that do that stuff, right? They set up charities. They do scholarships. But this type of thing, it just... I think that there's just there's so much area for improvement in delivering something really remarkable to a client and this is the best marketing. I mean you can't beat this, right? You cannot beat this, right? And and the viralness of this, right? Like there's
0: just it just it just builds on itself.
1: And, and maybe you won't go viral, but but if a couple people are like, no, no, hey, no, but "My lawyer did like, this
0: thing," you know? Yes. That's a, that's uh, viral tends to mean like massive, right? And I'm not really talking about massive scale. I'm talking about, does that become a referral source because of that exceptional experience? And the answer is, maybe, right? But it's a lot cheaper than spending money with, with, with me and Guy on, on Google Ads. Let's take a quick break.
1: Learn by doing with Practicing Law Institute's award-winning on-demand interactive programs. Developed by experts in learning design, Smart firms use CallRail to track where every lead comes from. PPC, LSA, organic search, or even offline ads. CallRail tells you which channels drive your best leads. CallRail even integrates with your favorite CRM or practice management tools to help manage your leads and see the ROI on your marketing investments know exactly which marketing tools work. Plans start at 45 bucks a month. We
0: recommend CallRail to every single one of our clients. Go to callrail.com slash lunch hour now and try it for free. Now it is impossible to be in the United States right now and not be aware of the massive Supreme Court changes, specifically Roe v. Wade. What does this mean for the country, Guy? And we will, I promise, this is not a political show, but we will tie this back into the topic of legal marketing and cause marketing. But what are we dealing with here right now, Guy?
1: Well, even having this conversation, I was a little bit reluctant. I'm like, this is a legal marketing podcast. Like, who cares? But then, you know, at the same time, and this is what you're going to think we're going to eventually get to is like, you know, this is our small platform. And so um, we feel like we had to say something about it. And so anyway, this is Conrad's idea is really what I'm saying in short. But <laughs> you know, I think the thing that keeps coming back to me is how can we not have autonomy over our bodies? How can there not be substantive due process? And I know that I'm not a constitutional law expert and I know substantive due process is probably dead before this opinion. And I know privacy rights are dead. It's very clear the Constitution talks about unenumerated rights. How can we be only having judicial review for enumerated rights that have to be spelled out? And again, some rant, you know, this is the rant you wanted. I don't want to make it much longer than that because I know people feel very strongly about the abortion issue. And, you know, lawyers should stand for something, right? And, and maybe you stand for there are no unenumerated rights in the Constitution. And maybe you know, part of your practice is litigating cases that help further that. And that's, that's your cause. But I think it's impossible for us to be silent about it. I think, you know, this is a particularly divided time. We you know we were dark humorly joking around about this being a dystopian fourth of July. And and again, not just the Dobbs decision. I think there are some other decisions, you know, with respect to the power of the EPA to keep the environment clean. And they've already acknowledged that they're gonna be taking on this Moore case in the next term, which I think is gonna have very significant impact on state legislature's ability. So hey lawyers. This is your time to shine, folks. This is your time to get out there.
0: This is a great opportunity. So one of the problems with social media is the anonymity and the vitriol that comes out of that. And it's very easy to flex your keyboard muscles. This is a great opportunity to reach out to people who are on the other side, which I did. How'd that go? It went very well. The reality is all of you have friends who sit on a different side of the aisle, whatever side you sit on right now. This is a great opportunity to reach out to that group, that constituent, and say, hey, you're my friend, disagree on these things, still love you, right? It's an opportunity to do that. And it comes across much more meaningful because of the weight of what we are talking about right now. So I would just encourage you guys to think through how you can kind of build much deeper relationships with people who are on the other side, but it's hard. It's a hard time right now.
1: Well, I think the other thing too, is, cause again, I, you know, we just did our little rant here and, you know, I'm sure people are listening and they're like, yeah, you guys, this is your little own political rant, but you know, real law firms stand for something, you know, maybe you're not passionate about these issues, but real law firms are active in their communities. You know, how can you not be a leader in your community? Whatever kind of practice that you have, I'm sure you get the, hey, you're a lawyer, I'm going to ask your opinion on something. You know, real law firms educate the public. So again, whatever your interpretation of what's going on uh, with the Constitution and the government, you should be standing for educating the public, right? Real law firms inspire social change. Real law firms help people. Uh, Real law firms partner with organizations to further justice. They raise awareness for social issues. They maintain the dignity of the profession and they participate in public service. Like, again, those are just a couple of things. And I, I think, you know, it just feels so demeaning to call this marketing. But the truth is, is like, this is what it's about, right? This positioning yourself, building a reputation for whatever it is that you stand for. That's the thrust of what we're trying to convey. So when we come back, we're going to go deeper into, should your
0: law firm stand for something here, right? Is that appropriate or not? And we're back. So Guy ended that last segment talking through real law firms stand for something. You're taking sides. This is cause marketing in a very, very polarized situation. And Guy, one of the things I often hear about from law firms when we're talking about these things is, I don't want to insult my audience. I don't want to... I've heard many many times stay out of politics don't take sides because you're gonna shrink your market and you're gonna turn people off so let me let me pose this question to you you want to take one side or another on this roe v wade issue right and you are i'm just gonna pull something you are uh let's say you're a personal injury lawyer it's nothing to do with roe v wade right why would you jump into that fray that seems like i'm just going to alienate my
1: market right i'm just gonna Tick people off. Why, Guy? Why would you do that? Uh, I'm going to let you handle that. I'm going to tell you from a why it's in your best interest. Forget about marketing. Is because if you're not educating on these issues, the whole civil justice system is based on your ability to redress your grievances. I think maybe stepping out of the Dobbs stuff might help people that might be like particularly angry that we're spending all this time talking about this right now think about tort reform, right? If legislatures and courts start interpreting the Constitution and creating laws that limit your access to the court system for redress of uh, damages, your livelihood's at stake. And then again, to the positioning of, hey, this is what I believe in. If you're not going to hire me because uh, we don't share the same values— that's your choice, but you got to ask yourself the question too is like at some point, what are your values? So you mentioned tort reform, right? And
0: the self-interest in that. I love the example of standing for something that you have no self-interest in, right? And that's the key on the positioning because I'm going to use the PI firm taking a firm stance on row. You are now a very different PI firm from a positioning and decision point, right? I mean, you can take a stance on all sorts of things: environment, row. There, there are yeah, lots of things. whatever's important to you, you can, whatever you value. You're yeah. uh, like, I'll, I'll even, I'll extend Levinson, right? He takes a position on food, right? He likes food, and it's great. Okay, so now he's the guy who likes food. So I want to use that innocuous example and then do the same thing with, and and then extend it to row if you're thinking about hiring a personal injury lawyer in Chicago and you are into food and you like food and you're in Chicago, well, he's the guy for you. So he's now positioned his firm against all the other PI lawyers that look the same, right? So are you, do you like that or not? Does it resonate with you or not? Yes or no? And the answer is very, very simple. In the same way, you can take a very heated polarizing issue like Roe, And recognize that by taking a side, either side on that for something that you have no self-interest in, you are creating an, an affinity and a positioning that matters to a lot of people. And you have now taken, you're one of 20 lawyers in the consideration set, and now it's a binary choice. I either agree with them or not, right? And then I'm going to look at the other 19 attorneys in that market. And so the other part of this for me is this has to be deep and genuine you have to be taking some form of action on this and it it can't just be like i'm taking a position on this because i'm i'm using this as the marketing tail to wag the law firm dog but how deep do you get into this so i'll i'll bring this up for gee but one of the things that some of the people in the agency world have done is they created a organization called arr and Guy and I both joined that. Can you talk about that as an example of like, we're getting deeply involved in taking a stand on that as opposed to just kind of window dressing, trying to make the marketing tail wag the agency dog?
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it's a group of agencies that have agreed in principle to support team members who you know need to travel out of state to get an abortion, which we consider healthcare. And again, you know, I know some people take a much different viewpoint on that, um, which is fine. But you know, we're putting our money where our mouth is and we haven't worked out all the issues, and there are there are a myriad of issues, especially as states move to add aiding and abetting laws mm-hmm. to helping women that want to travel out of state. And, and the deeper these things become divisive, the
0: more you actually you have to be genuine with it. Like maybe Ken really doesn't like pizza, but like he just talks
1: about it because of oh, a does. Nice story. <laughs> I think to the point Conrad's making in some way too. And it made me think about this, you know, again, we said it outside it's July 5th when we're recording this. So, you know, over the last weekend, I saw tons of law firms with happy 4th of July, right? Generic, happy 4th of July, some fireworks, and in fact, I know many firms that are using particular legal marketing vendors have literally the same image and the same message across all of their social media accounts. So, if you need the juxtaposition, so if you're like, if you're if you're not convinced that you're going to jump into the fray of polarizing cause marketing, which again, maybe everybody's got to find their comfortability level, and there's arguments against depending on a lot of factors. But that's the other end of the spectrum, right? You're literally just out there with stock imagery fired off that's being used by 20 different firms. If you don't see how that's actually has zero value and zero positioning and zero standing for something, then we've not done our jobs. So
0: I'm just throwing this out there as an example, because you're a lawyers in your local markets, you want to get involved in this? Aiding and abetting laws, what does that mean, right? Be the forefront of talking about this and maybe dealing with this, right? there. I mean, right there, there is opportunity. I'm not suggesting every single one of you should jump at that opportunity, but it's not like there's not an opportunity for you to get intimately involved locally with this issue.
1: And again, vice versa. I mean, if you're in like, hey, America's going the right way right now, go out there
0: and talk about that. No, no, so like great right? example. So my I, I referenced the reaching across the aisle. One of my favorite lawyers who I am very on, on different pages on the conservative side as well as the religious side is Kelly Chang Riker, And what she said when this came out, she's very happy about it. And she talked about how she's adding adoption to her services, right? That's getting genuinely deeply involved in something that she believes in. And so I don't want to sound like this is a bunch of bleeding heart snowflakes who are telling you to get on the Guy and Conrad side. There are lots of ways to get involved with what you believe in, regardless of how that aligns with the Guy and Conrad show, but get involved, get involved deeply. If it's something that you are genuinely passionate about, and there's a lot that you can do with this.
1: my, My big thing, I think when you really boil it down, whatever you're into, this is not the time to be vanilla. I mean, it's never been the time to be vanilla. But I just, I don't see how uh, you build audience and, and reputation for anything without standing for something. And the flip side of this, well, I'm trying to come up with a way to
0: leave this on a super easy, happy note for everyone. And I'm going to use the puppy thing. There are lots of things that you can get deeply involved in that are pretty much not divisive. Puppies, helping the local animal shelter, Right. We talked about Colette's Cookies the other day. That's the uh woman with autism who created a bakery because she couldn't get hired anywhere and you can now buy gift packages from Colette's Cookies. There are a lot of things that you can do that don't necessarily mean taking a side. It's pretty hard to be against Colette's Cookies or puppies.
1: Yeah, and I think again, you know, we the impetus for this conversation was, you know, some of the issues that are very serious in our country right now. I think the other thing that I would say though is is Conrad made this point, it doesn't have to be related to anything you do, but where there's overlap about a cause you're passionate about and it's at least tangentially related, you know, the things that I think about are like if you're a criminal defense lawyer and you're active in the Innocence Project, or if you're, you know, a personal injury lawyer and you're active in, you know, the disabled rights community, stuff like that, those are some that just come to mind off the top of my head. You know, if you're a family lawyer and you're active in, you know all the communities out there that help support people dealing with you know, family law issues beyond just the actual divorce and custody legal issues. Those are the types of things where there's a ton of, um, you know. God, I hate to say this, but synergy between uh, the <laughs> al- alignment. Don't better. say synergy. Maybe, maybe alignment's better uh, between something that you're actually passionate about and the community that you actually help serve professionally. I think where you can find those opportunities there's even that much more value in both for your the community that you're serving as well as for your practice.
0: And with that, we will see you in two weeks.
1: Yes. Thanks so much, dear listeners. For those of you that we scared away or angered away today from our politics show, thanks at least for uh, taking the time to sit through this episode. If you just landed on this episode, please do subscribe. And uh, again, Good, bad, or indifferent, we welcome your feedback. You can hashtag LHLM us, you can contact us through our websites, or you can leave us a nasty review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks again. Uh, until next time, Conor and Gee, Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. Money makes money makes it makes
0: a Money makes a Thank you for listening to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. If you'd like more information about what you heard today, please visit legaltalknetwork.com. Subscribe via
1: Apple Podcasts and RSS. Follow Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram.